Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Cheers, uh, thanks everyone for joining us. How are things in uh, in Renfrew, St Anthony? It looks like the sunshine in there. <clears throat> yeah, it's nice and bright this morning, which I'm happy to say. Um, hopefully it's uh, an omen that it's going to be a good weekend all around and things will get rounded off tomorrow at Hamden. Sun always shines on a cup final winning day. What's it like in uh, Bratislava, Anthony? Uh, it's pretty grey, grim. Yeah, <laughs> I looked at a 10-day forecast the other day. It was the uh-huh. exact same for 10 days. Two degrees, cloudy skies. Do you know, I used to think Scotland was the blandest country in the world. It's never too hot, never too cold, never too wet. But you might have found somewhere that's equally bland. Yeah. Certainly at this time of year, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we are, uh, uh, we've got the cup final weekend this weekend. <clears throat> so Celtic have been in, is it 58 cup finals and uh, 139? Uh, lead the, the league table by quite some distance. Well, I don't think we'll ever be caught because the team who are in second place, they died. Um, so um, next after them are Queen's Park with 10 wins. And then our opponents from Sunday, Hearts with eight. So it'll be quite some distance either. There's going to be a resurgent Queen's Park. 
or Hearts are going to have to have a massive turnaround in their fortunes for any team to catch us while, while the three of us are still alive. Um, so we thought we'd talk about our cup final memories on this. So Saint, you marginally picked me at the post as the oldest on here. So uh, what was your first cup final memory and what was your first cup final that you attended? First cup final memory is, is 1972 when Dixie Dean scored the hat trick against Hibs. I can remember uh, being in governing playing football in the back court, and one of the guys had a wee transistor radio, one of the the wee toy thing. We used to have in the old days, and, and we could hear the the, the commentary for Hamden. It's interesting to note actually that in the modern age, um, the cup finals weren't shown live in TV until 1977. Uh, the English games were always live in England, but for some reason, Scottish cup finals were, were never uh, live until 77. So in the years before that. Um, if you didn't get to go to the game, then you didn't get to see it live. So, 72 is the first one I remember. The first one I was at was 74 when I was eight. My dad took me and we were in the old North Stand at Hamden, which was an old wooden structure. And it was fantastic for an atmosphere because, you know, on a, a big occasion, everybody singing and stamping their feet. This thing, this old wooden structure used to vibrate. Uh, and it, it, it was quite a good view of the, 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 the pitch as well. So, um, and to tell you, I don't remember a great deal about the actual game. I think Celtic won quite comfortably in the end. And certainly you can see the goals on YouTube. But, you know, when you're eight years old, getting taken to a cup final and you win, it was quite an exciting day. That old stand above the North Enclosure, um, it's only now, as a grown-up, that I think back. And no wonder they get rid of it, because it was not... I don't think it was very safe. Perched up there. My, my only real memory of it was going to... I don't even remember the game. It was some, you'll remember better than me, Saint. It was some cup, midweek cup game. Probably must have been a League Cup semi or something like that against Dundee. So I don't, I, it would have been about 73, 74, 75, around then. Because the thing, I, I don't remember the game. I remember getting home and my dad saying, that's the last time I'm taking him to a night game for for a while. Because I fell asleep. <laughs> I arrived at the game, fell asleep. I didn't have to get carried home, so... Um, so yeah, that's that's my mm. only real memory of that that enclosure stand. Anthony, uh, we'll, we'll go through cup finals in order. But what was your first cup final the memory? First, the first one I remember is specifically '88, and it was a big uh, family wedding, big Glasgow family wedding booked on that day, and it was one of those stories where you know months in advance, you know when my aunt Patricia announces, "Oh, I'm getting married on Saturday X." Every male in the family is like, that'll be the double. Or, you know, that's the centenary season cup final. You know, this is a terrible idea. So you end up with this wedding where every man there is just like, their mind is elsewhere. And I distinctly remember, I don't remember the mass, but I remember getting to the hotel and there being a, t- you know, a TV no bigger than a laptop in some side room. And every man there at this big wedding crammed into this room and me being one of the little kids at the front, you know. And obviously, it sets up with McAvenny scoring two and making a great wedding, which could have gone spectacularly the other way. But was never going to. And the first one you went to? I've only been to one Scottish Cup final. Picked a doozy. Yeah, we saw the Huns win a treble in 99. <laughs> hey, it's a good job you're not going tomorrow. Then. No, I'm never going back. <laughs> Right, so we'll, we'll start in the chronological order of our lifetimes, Saint. And so you picked up the first one that you went to was uh, Dundee United 
Uh, we beat them 3-0. Uh, the next cup final after that, do you have much memory? This was uh, Big Billy's last game for Celtic. We beat Airdrie 3-1. Do you have much memory of that one, Saint? I, I do remember that one, uh, but obviously a year older, so more into the swing of things when, when, when you're nine. Uh, and what I remember is I was quite disappointed because... Um, Oh, that was the first time my dad had took me to Hamden and we weren't in the stand. So we were in the, in the middle of the Celtic and massive crowd and I couldn't see a thing. So I had to perch on top of this big railing and it was fairly uncomfortable. And I remember when Celtic went up, went up to get the cup and my dad put, put me up on his shoulders and the fans were singing You'll Never Walk Alone in this big Hamden bowl. And it was just a magnificent sight that's always... Um, stayed with me ever since then. And another thing I remember about that day is Celtic, Celtic were going through a poor run of form. With, uh, that was the season that we blew t- 10 in a row. And towards the end of the season, you know, we really went off the boil. So much so that some newspapers had actually picked up the Airdrie were marginal favourites to win that game. It seems crazy when you think the Celtic team had McNeil, Kenny Douglas, Danny McGrain, Bobby Lennox, you know, these guys were, 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 were legends. But it was viewed as being a, a, a very tough game for Celtic, and yet yeah, they actually won it quite comfortably by 3-1. And Paul Wilson deserves a lot of credit that day because his mother had died in the lead-up to the, to the cup final, and Jockstein had left the choice to him whether he played or not. And I think Paul showed a lot of courage that day by turning out, not just turning out, but scoring two goals that, that were the, the platform of the, the 3-1 victory. So that, that, that's a, that's a favourite day, and I also remember... Um, at night time, discovering that Billy had retired because before the game, the fans weren't told that it was only the players who knew. And, and I remember at night, watched the highlights on TV in the house and, and my dad and my uncles were devastated because they, they absolutely adored Billy McNeil and th- th- there was a feeling of um, great poignancy that, that this was... Would he just be remembered for winning the cup? It would be remembered for Billy's last game. You mentioned the big bowl of Hamden and, and the terrace and... Uh, I like you. My my dad used to take uh, take us to go to the stand. Control. I, I think he thought controlling three boys mm-hmm. uh, was was easier in a seated area than than in terracing. Um, and, and a bit like you, I went to just digressing from cup finals for a minute. I went to the Celtic Notts Forest game, and I didn't see a single bit of the game because he couldn't get tickets for the stand. And mm-hmm. we were in the we were in the Rangers end actually at Celtic Park. And I saw nothing of that game. Uh, I would have been, what, 11, 12 at the time. I saw nothing in the game because you're too small <laughs> half the time. Um, but the other thing about the big bowl of Hamden, um, even when I was in the stand, but more so uh, when I was in the, the Celtic end, I had no idea how people knew that the cup was being lifted because I couldn't, I could see bugger all. I, I, mm. I could never see it to be able to see that somebody miles away in the stand was lifting the, was lifting the cup. Um, which is one thing I remember from sort of eighties cup finals of being in the Celtic end. Um, but I'll go into the next the next game um, that we participated in, and it's the first one that I can remember. Again, watched it on the telly. Uh, so Saint the seventy seven cup final, Andy Lynch penalty. I wasn't there that day. My dad never took me, and he never in later years he never taught me why. I think it's one of these ones that he may have chosen to go for a, a day and a drink rather than mm-hmm. take his boy to the final. Because I had been going to Celtic Rangers games up to that point, and I just have no recollection to the reason why I didn't get to go that day. But what, what I do remember is uh, my uncle had a colour TV, 
and they were Ranger supporters. So I sat in my uncle's house with my cousins who were Ranger supporters watching that game, and it was great because we won. And the other thing that I, I remember is I did a podcast with Joe Craig. Everybody remembers Andy Lynn scored the winning goal, but Joe Craig missed two really chances late in the game, which always stick in my mind. The first one is he was put through in goal. He, drew, he did everything right. He drew the goalkeeper. He slipped it by the goalie, and it went past the post benches. And then the second goal, Danny McGrain at his best, cut the ball back for the byline. Paul Wilson miskicked it in the six-yard box, and it fell to Joe. And he sort of fell over as he hit the ball, and the Rangers defender cleared it off the line. And the reason why I'm raising that is the last attack of the game, Rangers hit the bar, and, and it gave me the fright of my life because they, they weren't really in the game. But it, it was a guy called Chris Robertson, who's John Robertson of Hearts, big brother. Didn't he, he didn't really have a great career, Chris Robertson. He faded away. But that, that could have been his claim to fame. If he'd have scored the equaliser that day, and that game had have went to a replay, then Joe Craig would, have, would really have been in, in the bad books, missing two chances. But as it happens, everybody just remembers Andy Lynch's penalty. So, so from the seventy-seven Cup final, um, we didn't uh, uh, feature again in a Cup final until uh, one of the more famous ones in the last fifty years. Uh, but in, in the intervening period, um, there was perhaps the uh, a trilogy of the the three most boring Scottish Cup finals, and they were in the one season, and that was Rangers against Hibs in seventy-eight, the nineteen seventy-nine Scottish Cup mm-hmm. final. They were. I, so my again, my memory of that was I was fortunate in '79. We lived in West Kilbride, and uh, if you put the portable telly upstairs in the toilet, you could pick up Northern Irish TV, and uh, and we watched the Man United Arsenal Arsenal three Man United two English FA Cup final, one of the most dramatic ever. Well, meanwhile in Scotland, there was Rangers nil, Hibs nil. The replay was. Rangers nil, Hibs nil. And then the replay of that uh, ended up actually being a goal fest of Rangers 3, Hibs 2. Uh, but any memories of that boring triple fest? <clears throat> yeah, the the, um, the the Rangers, Rangers Hibs at least was live in the telly for us in Scotland. So at least we got to watch that. And it was days before the 4-2 game, uh, the famous 4-2 game. And I remember my dad turning around at me and saying, see if we don't beat them, he says, they're rotten because you didn't get to see teams in the flesh in those days. You only saw the highlights, which tended to make teams look better than they actually were. And I remember my dad turning and going, there's nothing to fear here. But the, the, I'm actually quite jealous of you, Harry, because um, that, that Arsenal-Man United game when we saw the highlights at night, that was fantastic. Uh, it, it was a great game. The finish was electric. Man United came for 2 nothing down to get it to 2 each, I think, in the 89th minute. And Arsenal yeah. took centre and literally, literally went up the park and scored the winning goal. Alan Sunderland, that was the guy's name. Alan Sunderland with a cross that Gary Bailey flapped at and Alan Sunderland came <laughs> in behind and players were just collapsing all over the park, completely knackered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was grey, my memory is it was grey at Hampden for the Scottish Cup final, but it was gloriously sunny and roasting down at Wembley. And uh, yeah, So immediately following that is one of the most famous Cup finals that we're full, still feeling the, the resonance of <laughs> uh, now. We that cup, the 1980 Cup final took place closer to the to the Second World War than it is to today. Yet we are still setting the behaviour mm. and drink rules at Scottish football because of what happened in that event uh, at the Cup final. So, um, I'll, I'll bring you in now, Anthony. Although you weren't you weren't around, you'll have seen the pictures 
uh, of the 1980 Cup final, would you have been on the pitch? No, no, not at all. Uh, like I say, well, well, what was the result? Sorry, Celtic won one 0 with right. Um, it was a shot. It was a it was a trun- typical Trundler shot from Danny McGrain, which uh, George McCluskey sort of flicked and Peter. Right. Mc- this week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh, yeah. Love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. Then did these brilliant... I've asked my mate who's a Rangers fan. I've only ever seen film of Peter McCloy looking like a diddy. And I've asked my (laughs) mate who's a Rangers fan. Did Peter Peter McCloy had a career that lasted from... The cup went before the cup winners' cup final through into the mid eighties. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do not recall Peter McCloy making this. I think Barkas has made more saves than I've ever seen Peter McCloy make. You know, and and uh, but he says that McCloy had some great games. I, I don't know. I just remember McCloy looks like a diddy because he, he looks like an old man falling over in slow motion mm-hmm. as the ball then goes in the opposite direction with a flick from from George McCluskey uh, after, as I say, trundle a shot from Danny McGrain. Um, the other thing I remember about that is my brother had a, had a digital watch with a metal strap uh, and watching it on the tail and he jumps up and his strap had a wee bit hanging out and cut all down my arm as he, as he, as he jumped up. That's the other <laughs> thing I remember about that uh, cup final. So, um, so yes, you wouldn't have been on the pitch, Anthony. No, no. Uh, I'm trying to think times when I was in the stadium where something like that happened. I was... When we won the league in 98, I wasn't at the game, but I managed to get into the stadium. And even then, I was just glad to be in the building, so I didn't feel the need to run in the park. Like I think my sisters did, mm-hmm. but I never did. Saint, you, your memories of the famous 80 Cup final, was your dad there? <clears throat> no, um, I didn't get to go in 1980. My dad was working in Camel Air Shipbuilders in Liverpool for six months, and he only came back maybe once every three weeks. And uh, to my disappointment, he didn't come back that weekend. So uh, I begged my... I was 14 at the time. I begged my mother to let me go. And uh, she wouldn't let me go. And, and in hindsight, that was actually the best decision because the, the amount of bottles that flew that day, the, the, the stuff in the park, the, I was the kind of guy that age would have run in the park. But I might have got caught up in events. You, you never know these things. But apparently, even outside and, and travelling home, it was absolute bedlam. And it, it, and I know that, as you said, there it's closer to the board than, than, than where it is to now. But it was probably a watershed in Scottish football history because that day was coming. If you ever went to a Celtic Rangers game up to that point, the potential was always there for extreme violence, drunkenness, uh, misbehaviour and a level that, that's totally off the scale to anything that we see these days. It, it's actually quite hard to describe to people. 
the intimidating atmosphere. Even even getting through the city centre in a car and a bus walking, you, you were taking your life in your hands at times. You, you know that the the number of arrests in the ground were huge, and the number of arrests outside the ground were even more in those days. So it was probably, in some ways, it launched a boil because it, it brought it to a head that the authorities had to take action, and they were correct to take the action that they did at that time. But that, the actual final itself, it's frustrating because if you it finished nil nil um, at full time, that game could have been three each. It was a fantastic game. I mean that the there was two teams that went for broke for the very from the very beginning. And if you ever get a chance to see the highlights on YouTube, it's, it's a, a terrific game. Uh, and again, um, going back to a podcast I did with, with Mike Conroy uh, just during the summer there, anybody who remembers that final will recall the last action of the game. It was a big high punt into Peter Latchford. And Mike Conroy says, I was underneath that ball and I'm waiting for the shout for keeper. And the shout never came and Mike said, I'm going to need to go for this. It was a split second thing. But as Mike goes for clamber over the top of him and grabbed it grabbed it he's put his arms around Conroy so he's still got the ball Mick Conroy's got his arms up and he says I was terrified that my arm was going to brush against the ball and the referee would get, give a penalty he says it all happened in the space of two seconds but at the time it was really you know it, it, it was absolutely terrifying but happily they managed to disentangle themselves and the referee blew the whistle at that very minute the Latchford still with it with the ball in his hands so if we then move forward into the 80s, and uh, this was my first uh, attending at, at cup finals. Uh, we we went in succession. Uh, Aberdeen had beaten uh, Rangers, won the 81 cup final again after replay against Dundee United. And this was the period when Aberdeen and Dundee United started to be uh, powerhouses in Scottish and European football. Aberdeen won the 82, the 83 and the 84 cup final. 82 and 83 against Rangers. 84 against us, uh, 2-1, um, and then we beat uh, Dundee United, 85, in the uh, 100th anniversary of the Scottish Cup final. So um, what, what's your memory of those scenes? My, my, one of my memories about it is certainly the 83-84, um, the 84 Cup final was, it was at the time when Glasgow was getting done up. If you remember, uh, people listening to this might mm. remember, the tenements were black and the and, and one of the things I remember, so my brother and I got the train to Mount Florida. And they, um, the way that they had to send us round, uh, we came out of the Celtic again and then had to go all the way, because we couldn't go straight along uh, Somerville Drive because we'd have gone past the Aberdeen fans, but we wouldn't have done because they were waiting in the ground to see mm. their team get the cup. So they sent us all the way round the back. So that by the time we actually got bound behind the Rangers end um, along Cathcart Road, to get to Mount Florida Station, the Aberdeen fans were all coming out. And it was just rubble and pipes because there was scaffolding everywhere. And I remember thinking to myself, because Aberdeen at the time had the casuals, I remember thinking to myself, if you if you wanted to ha- have a, an arena that was perfect for violence, they'd left mm-hmm. all they'd left all the toolkit out because there was metal pipes lying mm-hmm. everywhere. There was stone and rubble lying everywhere. Turn the corner and Aberdeen casuals were standing there with bits of scaffolding and rocks and stuff ready to get any Celtic fans coming. So that's my memory of the losing cup final. Plus, I remember it was pissing down and you're in the Celtic game getting wet. So um, so that's the losing one. What's your memory of those two? The losing one and then obviously beating uh, Dundee United 2 1 85 cup final. The, the losing one, <clears throat> um, I, I, I will never forgive Pat Bonner for selling his jerseys that day. Because 
they were down to 10 men when Roy Aitken get sent off fairly early in the game. Murdo McLeod went to sweeper and, and was tremendous. Willie McStay was actually centre-half that day because Tom McAdam had been suspended, I think. So the, the Aberdeen were, were hot favourites, fantastic team. Muller McLeish, Reese Rachen, Mark McGee, fantastic players, fantastic team. And we were probably... And in fact, see, see when lockdown started, BBC showed that game extended highlights uh, uh, probably about April, May and on Friday nights they were showing old, old classic games and it showed you that and, and my what it brought back to me was how well Celtic played and, and, and with 10 men coming back for 1-0 down getting an equaliser and then Bonner across to the to, to, it wasn't even the back post it was like a penalty spot and he came flying with Superman nowhere near it the ball drops to Mark McGee and Mark McGee shoots into an empty net where Bonner should be so you ju- you've just described point, half the goals I remember us losing to Aberdeen with Pat Bonner and goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's it, it really it brought it back. It just re- re- was a recollection of how bad it was. It wasn't just a mistake; it was an absolute blunder. So a, a year to a happier memory. Dundee United are, are probably at their peak at this time as well. Sterling, Neri, and Hegarty. You know, they, they were. Probably, probably it was evens going into that cup final because we had a good team as well. And uh, there's two things that stick in my, way, my mind. I'll, I'll mention them quickly. Uh, number one is for 75 minutes we never kicked a ball until Davy Hamey, the bravest substitution I've ever saw, when he, he brought off Paul McStay and sent on Pierce O'Leary. And at that time we, we thought he lost the plot. And really what he did is he put O'Leary to centre half to allow Big Roy to move into midfield. And from that moment forward, Roy Aitken won the cup final for Celtic. He didn't score the goals, but his presence driving the team forward and it got the crowd going as well. And there was a massive crowd there that day. And, and, and the, the two goals were really memorable as well. It, it, it was, we went from 75 minutes of not having a shot and goal in the last 15 minutes, we could have won 4-1. But just to digress slightly, um, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm actually getting confused with 8 I'll tell you a story about 88 when we come to that. Uh, so 85, yeah, it's it's really the last 15 minutes that that, that, that still gives me goosebumps thinking about it because it was just unbelievable, the change in fortunes from one substitution. Fantastic. So that's the 85 Cup final. Aberdeen won again in 86 and Byron in 87. Quite a, a, a big thing. Um, uh, Ian Ferguson's going for some. And, and then the 88 Cup final, um, uh, centenary season. Uh, one thing we should mention in the 85 Cup final um, is the free kick. Uh, your mm. man, your favourite scene, David Provence free kick. Mm-hmm. The, the well, thing about actually, the thing, I was going to say, the thing about that for, for much was even though we were there, my memory of that cup, of that free kick is now ingrained in my brain from Archie McPherson's commentary. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is I did a podcast with Archie and I was really deflated because I said to him, you know, you're responsible for probably one of the most iconic bits of commentary ever. But I think it went along the lines of there's only been two goals scored directly from a free kick in a Scottish Cup final. Is this a piece of history? And Proven puts the ball into the net and Archie shouts, it is. Now, that, that was almost choreographed and, and it, although it, it was spontaneous and Archie couldn't remember that. Now, I think I say it was never before. No goal. I, th- I think nobody had ever scored direct from a free kick in a cup final. Was the thing? Is this a piece mm-hmm. of history? Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But yeah. the disappointment was that he couldn't. I thought he'd have been wearing that like a badge of honour because it was a superb bit of commentary. It was because he, he finishes his sentence. Is this a piece of history? Mm-hmm. Proven hits it, goes in the top corner. Mm-hmm. It is. It's almost as if he knew right. it was going to happen. He just paused just for that bit. Um, so on to the 88 Cup final, mm. uh, Anthony, this is your first memory of it. Um, so I'll let you take it away. Do you remember much of the game if you were at the wedding? I do remember it because I guess it's one that, you know, you remember at the time and then you see the videos down the years. I, was, I remember being aware that Kevin Gallagher scoring for United and he was one of these, I think he was the, was he not the grandson or the son of a, a Celtic player? Patsy Gallagher. Yeah. So he's one of these guys that my dad would always have been, oh, we should sign him. You know, he's a good mm-hmm. player and he's, he's he's of the club's DNA. So it was always, oh, he's a good player. He's a good player. And he actually went down to England and won a championship. He was a, a solid pro. Uh, but I remember him them taking the lead. And obviously at that wedding, I was at the mood uh, taking a turn for the worse. But, you know, we, we know it's it's going to come. I think in the, in the semi-final, we'd won it late against the Hearts. If I'm not yep. mistaken. Mm-hmm. So there was that kind of belief that, you know, we're, we're going to do this. And uh, yeah, ultimately, Machiavelli chipped in with his two goals. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was it was always going to be what it was. The big shock scene before that game was that Al McKnight played Pat, Pat There was no, there was no um, advance notice that uh, Pat Bonner was going to be injured. No, that's true. Um, Alan McKnight had played a few games that season. He'd actually done relatively well in big games, particularly against Rangers. So even though he was in goals, there wasn't a a great concern because he'd been playing in in high-profile games. uh, He played in European games. He'd played in old firm games up to that point. But I have to tell you a wee story here. Um, I get thrown out of that cup final. And what happened was... Uh, if, if people who remember the terrace at Hamden, there was a big fence which separated the Celtic end for the enclosure. Now I was in the enclosure with, with my mate Alan Stewart. If you're watching Alan, hello. And my dad was in the Celtic end. And just as the game kicked off, I saw my dad and I said, "Wait till half time, and me and Alan will scale the fence and we'll watch the second half together." Now th- this big mesh fence was about twenty foot high, and I don't like heights, so it took Alan scaled it no problem. But it took me a, bit, a wee bit to. Uh, to, to scale it and there's a, 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 a there's a great word in, in Glaswegian slang it's dreepy I did a dreepy for the fence and I, I fell slightly and my trousers were dusted and I was right in my trousers and all I saw was a pair of Doc Martens and I looked up and it was a big pose and he says fence jumper and he grabs my arm up the back and he marches me away now neither Alan or my dad can see this but all I can think of at the time is how am I going to explain this to my ma? What happens if I get to jail? I was terrified, right? I'd never been in trouble with the police in my life. So as it happens, I get thrown out. I just get thrown into the and outside. And there was a lot of building work at Hamden at the Celtic end at the time. And there was this big mesh fence. And there was a wee boy about 12, 13, who managed to get, to get the fence up off the ground for about a foot, maybe about that much. And he said to me, going to pull that up. And I managed to get it out a wee bit more. And the wee fella scaled, he, he, he crawled through. And I said to him, listen. Please. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Put your leg through there, son, and see if you can just keep that fence from falling down. This, this sort of mesh 
and I crawled under, I got covered in dirt, and I scraped all my arms in this mess fence, and I get back in there again. And by this time, Dundee United were one up. I heard the roar, I knew Dundee United had scored. And, and I ran down the Celtic end steps, and I got my dad, and I got Alan. And that policeman was still standing there, next to that fence. So we moved in a wee bit for, 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 for that part, into the main, the main swell of the crowd, and Celtic scored two goals to win 2-1. So... Uh, if you're asking me about a remarkable story in life, that's my remarkable story that I get back in in time to see the two the, the two winning goals. The, the thing about the about that in the centenary season, and you mentioned it, Anthony, about the score in the last uh, couple of minutes against Hearts in the semi. Um, I still am amazed when I look back about how late on in the game it was that we first equalised and then scored, because at no point, what my memory is, at no point watching that game did I think we were not going to win. And, and not even need extra time, even though we didn't get the winner until the 90th minute, because the whole season had been winning in adversity mm-hmm. and winning it. And the thing that was magic about, I just turned 18, right? and the thing that was magic about both the 88 and the 89 Cup final, this is the plus side of the Celtic end having no roof. When you went into town that night, it was dead easy to spot the Celtic fans in town. Because we are right there, Belisha Beacon faces <laughs> from having been in the uncovered terrace. And although there was a sizable amount of Celtic fans from memory in the Dundee United end, in the Rangers end, mm-hmm. uh, that day as well. Uh, so that was that. 89 uh, Cup Final, Anthony. Do you remember much about the 89 Cup Final? The famous, um, <laughs> we knock it out for a throw-in and take the throw-in. <laughs> Great tactic, you know. Uh, my dad was a, a huge Joe Miller fan. And I think... Joe Miller had been, you know, a key player in several cup finals in a row. You know, he played quite well. Uh, you know, including what 88, 89, and 90. You know, the one we lose on penalties. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, my dad was always chuffed that Joe Miller got the goal. He, I think he was always a, a guy that said, you know, Joe Miller should play through the middle. I don't know how true that is. I don't know enough about him, but. He yeah, played on through that the middle occasion. for Aberdeen when he broke into the Aberdeen mm. team. He was playing through the middle. We signed him and stuck him on the wing. A bit like right. we, a bit like Simon Donnelly broke through the Celtic team through the middle and we stuck him on the wing. So yeah, on that occasion, it's obviously we Joe that sneaks in for the, the, the crap back pass and scores a winner a cup final. And it's, it's one of the great Celtic celebrations as he runs off blowing kisses to the Rangers. And you know, there's nothing better than that. You know, he'd. He wouldn't trade a place to be in that position. No, same. For me, the biggest way you know that referees give more decisions to Rangers than us, if you ever whinge about mm-hmm. bad decisions against us, Rangers fans will throw up the 89 Cup final. The very fact that they're going back 31 years, <laughs> throw up a bad refereeing decision, illustrates that they don't get many of them. Uh, so 89 Cup final, your memory of that, you managed to stay in the ground, Saint. I managed to, I didn't get thrown out that day. The two memories I've got is, number one, it was a terrible game of football. The shot, the, apart from the goal, there was nothing in it. Uh, and we, we were hanging on grimly in the last 10, 15 minutes because they were hitting us with everything. Another one, the other memory as well is to, to um, take on what you were saying there about the, the hot weather. It was excruciatingly hot that day. It wasn't just warm. It, it, it was, must have been about 80 degrees. And I, I was next to my dad and, and I actually made an agreement with my dad he, the, as you can see here, our family there's not a lot of hair, um, and and he he was really feeling the effects of the the, the sun. Uh, so I, I made an agreement with my dad: if Rangers equalised and it went to injury time, we were going to get back to the bus because he, he was really, he, I think he was fainted. 
And th- that night that he he was unwell and and it was sunstroke. Then it sounds crazy to think that, that you can you know it, you you associate sunstroke with going on holiday to warm climates. But honestly, that day for two hours standing in, in an open terrace and in the sun, that my dad gets sunstroke that day. So, I uh, my beat plate was a was uh, playing for Clyde in Scotland under 18s at the time. Uh, <clears> so. Again, if people want to know where cup final tickets go, this was my first introduction of where cup final tickets go. I got a ticket for the 89 cup final because my mate was playing for Clyde in Scotland at the time. And every club gets an allegation of, of tickets. And so I can't remember who was Clyde manager at the time. Anyway, he then said, uh, basically, he knew Michael. Michael was uh, really into football. So he was more of a, he just wanted the best team to always win a game of football. So he said, there you go, Michael. Um there's your, uh, there's your cup fight. You know, tickets are obviously for the Celtic end, simply by default of the fact Michael was a Catholic. He got Celtic end tickets. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I got one because he wasn't that first about going and knew that it mattered. Uh, Listen, it mattered. I, I can add on to that. I can add on to that. There, there, there was a guy in front of us with a red jumper. And, and I, I, I thought at the time, that's an unusual colour for a Celtic fan to wear a cup final. You know, everybody's covered in yellows and whites and, and, and greens or greens of all shade. And this guy had, a, and, and I, I got to the stage, I actually walked a couple of steps down because he had an emblem on the red jumper. I thought at first it was Man United, which, which would be, you know, totally acceptable. It was Dunfermline. This guy was there with, with this red jumper with, with DAFC. And, and I said to him, I said, how are you doing? I said, look, what brings you here? And he said, oh, he said, I've always wanted to see a Celtic Rangers Cup final. And, and, and I work for Dunfermline Football Club and I got a ticket. And as you were saying there, where did the tickets go? So that's that's where we go. The other thing I remember about that, that final was it that final that with about two minutes to go. This is in the days before they would add on a specific in, injury time lasted a minute thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if if the referee didn't blow within a minute of ninety minutes, you were thinking he was at it back in those days. Where we get a free kick down near the corner flag, and Roy Aiken just blew us the free kick straight out of the park and mm-hmm. in the back of the Celtic end. And I always remember thinking, did you? It's, he didn't even try and get a deflection off no, of the Rangers no. player. He was there that might have got us a corner. He just ran and blotted it straight, straight up. But I think he he hits it into the Celtic end, doesn't he? So he knows. <laughs> all right, someone's going to catch it, and then it's going to. Yeah, you know, there's no coming out of there anytime soon. Yeah. So it was masterful. I watched it again this morning. So after the '89 Cup final, we have uh, the penalty defeat uh, to Aberdeen. Uh, Charlie Nick playing for Aberdeen. Uh, Saint, uh, what's your memory of of that one? That's that's really at the start of our. You know, we already know we're in, in decline, but it's really at the start of the decline with the barren years of trophies mm-hmm. and, and and everything that happened in the middle. So, what's your memory of that cup final scene? It was another poor game, and it was a game I remember being at where I thought, we're, we're never scoring here. We, we didn't have any inspiration, we didn't have any any particular, um, anybody who, who could gra- grab the game by the scruff of the neck. And when it went to penalties, it was just a lottery. And I always felt sorry for Rogan, because if Dovchek had scored, then Rogan w- w- would never have been the, the villain. Um, so it, it, it wasn't a great day, and as you said there, it, it probably signified the start of the, the, the barn years. The, the worst thing about penalty kicks when they get beyond the five is the people who are then responsible for a team losing or, or whatever are the players who least want to take a penalty. 
Because the very fact that you are the ninth, tenth, or eleventh player to take a penalty means you didn't want to take one. You know you're not the best. Anyway, um, I, I'll quickly speed through so we can get, catch up with the cup finals. Good, fifteen minutes left. Um, so the big one, um, Anthony, is the ninety-five cup final. It ended the barren period. Uh, what's your memory of that one? I remember it as a being at a mate's house and we're having it on the TV and watching it and. It's interesting to look back at now when you look at the the list. It's the last Celtic Scottish Cup final, maybe last Scottish Cup final, where you know the the list of players all have saltires next to their name. Yeah, you know it's like we would have you know we would have met UEFA's three foreigners criteria in that final with Rudy Vata, Pat Bonner, and Pierre, and the rest is all Scottish. So it's an interesting watch to see because that you know it's not the case and won't be again. You know, unlikely. Uh, but yeah, to see a a team of Mark McNally's, Simon Donnelly's, Phil O'Donnell's, John Collins, you know, all Scots mm. uh, playing in a not not a particularly good game, a nice goal, a brilliant ball in by Tosh McKinley. I've very very fond memories of Tosh McKinley. Uh, but yeah, a, a goal was all we needed, and it was a, a big celebration afterwards. The poorly seated Hamden Saint with only thirty six thousand people there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I, was you? I, I, what I remember about that is that the difficulty in getting tickets because th- this was seen as Celtic coming back to the fore and um, there was a mad scramble for tickets. The game, I think, as Anthony's alluded to there, was a poor game of football, but a good, a great goal. I mean, Van, D- Van Hooydonk's header was a wonderful sight on the day and Peter Grant in the last couple of minutes had, had a great save and tackle uh, to, to stop an every player who, who probably would have scored. So that, that's the, the two, that, that was the game summed up. Do you know the 95 Cup final and Seville um, final are the two occasions in my life when I've been at a game and thought to myself, I'm struggling to breathe with ner- nervous tension here. Mm. How must the players be feeling if I'm feeling like that? Um, at, the, at the end of the game, all we felt was relief. There wasn't any great joy in it. I think it was just pure relief. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember I was, I was in the... I was in the seated area as it was at the front of the, the Celtic end. Um, next, next cup final um, is, is yours, Anthony. Hey. Is your, your Jinx cup final. Uh, we lost 1 0 to Rangers in 99. It's a really strange one because, like, you name any Celtic game in the last 25 years that we lost, I'll have someone to blame. You know, I'll say, oh, it was the ref's fault. It was Brian O'Neill's fault. It was, you know, George Alberts did something spectacular. I left Hamden that day and did not think a moment about it until this morning when I knew we were doing this. Do you know what I mean? I've just decompartmentalised that game. That didn't happen. So I went to watch the highlights of it this morning. Really weird to watch back. You know, one, you're not going to win a cup final with Reggie Blinker on the team. Lesson learned. (laughs) Two, there's a sort of flappy-haired Moravchik playing, which is, I don't really remember that, but yeah. And, And three, ultimately, Johnny Gould had a good game. Johnny mm-hmm. Gould made some saves. I, I have no real memories of Johnny Gould being good other than that St. Johnston save he made at the start of his career. I thought that yeah. bought him a couple of years. But he actually had a decent game in that cup final, so he was unlucky to be on the losing team. Seen any memories of it? Team selection that day, I think Dr. Joe got it wrong. Uh, Birchall had played a lot of games in the lead-up to that cup final and scored a few goals. And he, he played Tommy Johnson, and I don't, I don't even think Birchall was on the bench. Virtual wasn't he in the bench, and Virtual didn't even get in the squad. Yeah, yeah. So that, that, to me, that that was a a, a bad one because Virtual was in fire at the time. 
Uh, as Anthony said there, Lubo was just coming back for injury. He wasn't 100%. We took a gamble. It didn't work. And another thing that was... Um, uh, there, there was a Paul Lambert shot near the end, which struck a Rangers player, and we claimed for a penalty. And at the time, I was convinced it was a penalty, but having seen the TV footage in later years, nah. Just a poor performance. Yeah, but um, that was all redeemed shortly after uh, in the wonderful Martin O'Neill era, and we won a treble in 2001. We beat Hibs 3 0. Um, Saint? That's one of my happiest days. It, it, it was one of those games where you just knew Celtic were going to win. And, and I don't say that very often because I'm, I'm normally quite apprehensive before big, big games. But I, I just felt with the momentum at the time that we had was wonderful. Larson was on fire. They, 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 you know, they were almost unbeatable at that time. Another thing as well that sticks in my mind is uh, Bobby Murdoch had died in, in the days leading up to the cup final, so there was a wee bit of a bittersweet thing because he was the first of the husband lines to pass away. Um, and I just remember it being such a happy occasion. And also, that was the first time that I could remember a Celtic team on a treble. So that, that, that made it a, a particularly uh, affectionate day. Because um, we've got so many Celtic wins coming up, I'm going to just sort of try and batter through it in the 10, 12 minutes we've got left. So I'm going to jump then I'm going to bypass uh, losing 3-2 to Rangers mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in, the, in the last minute mm-hmm. uh, in 202. Uh, 2004, uh, Anthony Murray, we uh, beat Dunfermline 3-1. Uh, typical Celtic, you know, we give give them a stupid lead, but it's a cup final, so we come back and win it brilliantly in Larson's, Larson's last competitive game, I guess. Uh, wearing yeah. that, I, I quite like mm-hmm. that green away strip we wore. Uh, but it, it was just the most Larson moment of his career, wasn't it? You know, give him half a chance when you think he's oh he's not having a good game. Half a chance, Barry's one second chance. You know, a chance that a good striker should finish, but he just so composed, so cool, just gives the keeper the eyes and just slots it in the far corner, and then Petrov, you know, scores a a nice finish as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was for a, a double, was it? Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, big farewell. Larson goes out like the the king he was. So Saint, next one is uh, 05 season. A bit bittersweet. I mean, I, I just remember that whole week being a downer week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we beat Dundee United one 0 in a bit of a nothing final. Is my memory of it? Um, it's a toss yeah. up between what was the worst cup final, the two thousand five or the two thousand seven. There, there were dreadful games of football. And the only thing you can say is that that, that, that we won it. And, and it's much better to win a bad final than lose a bad final. The, um, the 2005 one, probably uh, best remembered for Chris Sutton's penalty where he lost his foot. And, and he, yeah. he, he literally fell over the ball and sent the ball over the bar. He's, he's, uh, his planting foot goes down and yeah. as he's about to hit it, it goes away. Mm-hmm. And, and it's one of those things where your split-second thoughts are, oh, that's unfair, he should get to take it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It, it, it was a brutal day in terms of weather. It was like a December day. It, it certainly wasn't May weather. And, and it was Martin O'Neill's last day. Mm-hmm. It, it's actually, it's what got me where we are just now. Um, because it was in the papers in the May that Martin was leaving. But I, through coincidence, I knew two people. One person who knew, uh, one person knew Robertson, the other one who knew Steve Walford. And in the fe- January, end of January, they were not football fans. Independently, they'd said to me, oh, I see uh, your, your manager's leaving in the summer. And it's because 
it, Walford had told his mate and Robertson mm-hmm. had told his mate that they were selling the house because they were leaving. And I remember contacting Eddie Pearson, as he was at the time, Glenn Tim Tim, who did the E-Tim's rumour mill. And I remember contacting him and saying, eh, Martin O'Neill, this was in first week in February, Martin O'Neill's leaving in the summer. And that was on the E-Tim's rumour mill. And that got me to where we are today. That was, that was your first scoop. That was my first scoop, yes. That was my first scoop. Uh, so, 2007 Cup Final, uh, Dunfermline 1-0, Anthony Murray. Uh, I was looking at, the, obviously we're sharing this platform for this today, and I was looking at the rules that we have to follow, you know, certain taboos that we're not allowed to touch upon. <laughs> and on that list of taboos is humiliation and violation of human dignity. <laughs> so at that point, we cannot discuss Lennon's substitution for Gary Caldwell. Because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get worse than that. Uh, I didn't realise how dramatic it was until watching it back this morning. Lord mm. Lennon storms down the tunnel. You know, he's in a proper cream puff. Uh, quite interesting. I, I remember uh, people around me being quite annoyed that it. I thought it showed Strachan's lack of sentimentality. I thought, I, although I did wonder if Strachan was making the substitution to allow Lennon to get a, an individual applaud off mm. the park. But I remember people around me going nuts, saying it summed up Strachan to them that he wasn't given dignity to this Celtic man. By uh, by allowing him to play the full ninety minutes, um, might may, may, we might see something similar this Sunday. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so next one, Saint is after rattle through because a couple of a uh, couple of Rangers victories uh, that was before they went when they still traded. Uh, next one is two thousand and eleven uh, against Motherwell um, Cup final Saint. Horrible pissing wet day. Uh, Motherwell should have had a stonewall penalty when Mastorovic handled the ball in the penalty area, nothing each. So, so in terms of getting a benefit that they doubt, but we did that day. And uh, two cracking goals. Uh, Key's goal it was wonderful. Charlie McGuinn's free kick was a peach. And it, it, it's, it was one of the, the better performances, but we did get away with the penalty shout. It could have been different. So we've got the 2013 Cup Final 3-0 against Hibs. Anthony? Absolutely brilliant. Really nice kit. Black away strip. I think the nicest Celtic away strip that ever was. Uh, Gary Hooper scores two wonderful first half goals. And he's where he strikes it, he headers one, volleys the other. And he basically lands on John Beaton's toes. Because John Beaton's (laughs) like the fourth or fifth official. And he lands right on him. It's absolutely wonderful. Uh, Foster makes a great save at 0-0. Ledley scores a goal. And interesting of note, one of two Scottish Cup finals where Anthony Stokes is man of the match. Uh, I, I was a big fan of Anthony Stokes. He was brilliant for us that day. And a couple of years later, he, he came back in a hip shirt to win another one. And we all enjoyed that one as well. Uh, well, I'm going to touch on... The only thing about that... Yeah. No, I just want to say, the only thing about that game is, I, I wasn't aware of this. That, that was played on a Sunday. I don't remember that. I just automatically thought it was a Saturday. Something to do with the Champions League final. I can't remember why. Ah, that's right. Yeah, it was to do with Champions League final. Uh, it was. It was when they. That was when they first moved Champions League. Final, I think that was when they first moved Champions League final to the Saturday. Saturday and the Scottish yeah, FA yeah. hadn't hadn't obviously in their usual organised fashion hadn't really noted that, uh, and and mm-hmm. we weren't allowed to to do it. I'm going to briefly touch the 2015. Scottish Cup final. 
We should we should have won a treble that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ronnie Dyle would have won a treble as Celtic manager. If a if a if a guy who's still a referee, still official, who's the who's the behind the goals guy, had uh, remember the handball of Inverness in the, mm-hmm. in the cup semi final, but he couldn't see it from three feet. No, but you've also got the linesman, the linesman and the referee and the guy behind the goal. Between the three of them, you think one of them would have seen that? Well, the thing about it is, I was in the south, the main stand, the south stand at Hamden, but on the bend as it goes into the Celtic end, so on that corner, so I'm, what, 110 yards away? I could see it was a handball from there. Every official mm-hmm. in the park could have seen it was a handball, but they're hands, yeah, yeah. so... So then we're on to the invincible season, uh, twenty seventeen, Saint. Um, so Tom Rogic, last minute winner. Uh, Aberdeen take the lead. Uh, we win the treble. Uh, your your memories on that? Very very quickly. I had health issues at the time. I had I was in hospital for an operation, and uh, probably I, I mixed the dates up, but I ended up being in Malta that weekend, uh, and I'm so happy that I was because it was a wonderful memory. In a, in a family sense, uh-huh, so I, yeah. I would have loved to have been there at Hamden. But the the, the experience that and and my father-in-law who's passed away now was with me that day, and my son, Mike, your Michael was only about twelve or thirteen at the time. But it's a brilliant personal memory in Malta in the sunshine and a brilliant sunny day. And when Tom Rogic scored that goal, was just it's everybody remembers it. Everybody's got their own favourite memory. It's hard to describe how good it was. Anthony, your memory of it? I'd I'd gone through a, a an Irish pub in Vienna, uh, which wasn't particularly well populated with with Tim's, but there was enough of us to generate some kind of small atmosphere. And yeah, it was it's as good as it gets, isn't it? Just absolutely fantastic. I was bouncing for days. You know, mm-hmm. I'd say it's similar to O'Neill's first treble. You're just on cloud nine for for months. You know. Uh, the next one, Anthony, is the two 0 victory over Motherwell. Second, second treble, the the double treble. Did we ever think we'd see the likes again? It's just so good. It, it, the fact that McGregor scores that goal. I mean, if you look back at these, you realise you know Keyson Young's goal, David Province goal, mm-hmm. Larson's goals. We've we've scored some great cup final goals, and as good as any of them is McGregor's half volley on his wrong foot. Just you, you can't yeah. do that. Yeah, it gets it gets faster every time I watch it. It's such a good strike of a football. Uh, and Cham chips in with a second. Interesting, I, I noticed looking at the, the details of it, uh, an 18-year-old unused substitute, David Turnbull uh, of Motherwell. Mm. So he's, he's, he's been in the stadium before, so here's hoping he turns up tomorrow to get a, a wee run out. Uh, Saint, just before we cover off the, tomorrow's game, Saint, t- uh, we uh, beat Hearts uh, last season, or whenever it was, I'm losing track. A season and a half ago, uh, uh, to, for a, an, an incredible, unique treble, treble, um, treble, treble. Memories of that one. The, the um, memories of that is that our Michael was on the pitch that day, but he did the, the presentation thing with the crests and stuff. So that, that, that you know, for, for a, bo- a young boy, that that was a, a memory that will stay with him for the rest of his life. And I was quite proud that he was on the pitch. I know he did he play, but you know, like, it, it, it was part of the event, which um, means a great deal to us. And, and he's got wonderful photographs to look back. And uh, in terms of the the, the the game, fantastic winning goal, but Bedward, he runs in and goal. That, that that's quality finishing. You, you, there's so much resting on that, 
And then after the event was a bit of a damp squib because we, um, I think it was a rugby on Celtic Park and we couldn't get back to the ground. And it was meant to be a, a, a bus parade back into the city. We went to the Merchant City. It was absolute carnage. It was bedlam uh, in a good way. No, I don't mean in a, a bad sense, but there's no way any bus could have been could have done Salt Market and onto the Gallagate. So that that was the only disappointment in the day, but we couldn't get the celebration. So we're just wrapping up now. Um, as one of my uh, Rangers support mates said to me the other day, you only know how disappointing it is um, to not be in a cup final. You, know, you only realise how much you enjoy being in a cup final until the cup final's on and there's two other teams playing in it and your team isn't one of them. Mm-hmm. And so we've got that tomorrow. It's the strangest thing having a cup final the week before Christmas, um, and it's last season's cup final with this season's team. Uh, a guy who was our goalkeeper in the squad last season uh, in Heart Squad for this season, uh, Anthony. Uh, what's your expectations for uh, for tomorrow? Really interesting. I mean, you know, they're only Hearts are, you know. Got deservedly relegated from my point of view. I know a lot of pundits are saying, "Oh, they're a Premier League club." It's like, yeah, you, they kept saying that and they kept getting beat, <laughs> so that's why they went down. That's how it works. Uh, so we shouldn't be fearing them. There is there is narratives there that are on. You know, if you were of their persuasion, you know, the Huns in their team, Gordon in their team. You know, there is a story there. If, any, if they were to win it. But uh, hopefully we we pick the right team and go and win it. Saint? Um, I'm a wee bit worried about the team selection because I think the last two games, uh, the the changes that he's made have given us a uh, revitalised the team and and energised the team. And I hope that he's not going to revert to sort and and go go back to the, 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 I was going to say the tried and tested, but probably the tried and failed this season. So uh, as Anthony said there, that, that... Craig Gordon's got a point to prove. You've got Naismith, you've got Halliday. There's probably another couple of players in there who don't have any great desire to see Celtic winning. But, it, it, you know, it, it's an opportunity for Hearts to create a wee bit of history in their own right. But from our point of view, fourth consecutive treble, never been done. Fourth consecutive Scottish Cup, never been done. Uh, no, no person has won a treble as a player and a manager. So, so there's so many... Records to be broken tomorrow if he can just go over the line. And, and I'm hoping that we're over this horrible period, horrible patch. And, and I do hope we can do it with a bit of style. Scoreline predictions, Saint? I'm, I'm a great believer in one more than them will do me. I'd be happy if I won nothing win. But as I said there, that I would, I would love us to do it in, 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 with a bit of panache. Anthony? If he picks the right team, 3-0. Well, uh, I think he'll pick the right team and I think we'll win and I think we'll get a quadruple treble and with that I will say thank you very much for everybody listening, thanks very much for listening don't forget the purpose of this is to raise money so uh, if you can go on the links below um, you'll find in the descriptions you will see how to donate Uh, good luck to everybody else who's uh, doing their, their podcasts And with that, I will say uh, St. Anthony, Anthony Murray, thanks very much. Thank you. Pleasure.
Hey, what's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything. But losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.